0: Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walcheff with Cali Comfort Barbecue, and we are recording above the butcher shop with Derek Marceau, my man, from Valley Farm Market, and uh, ready to get after it today. Big, big uh, West Coast Barbecue Movement Day.
1: Yeah, it's good. We um, As long as I can keep my eyes open and I don't fall asleep, <laughs> we will be good. I uh, brought my third child into the world a week and a half ago, so... It's been good, man. It's been uh exciting and but this barbecue movement's been pretty cool too cuz we're going to go uh try some grub today when 2 weeks ago we went to uh Bubba's Smokehouse and tried some great eats over there too. So it's really cool to see the the different styles and the different uh you know companies and, and businesses doing barbecue stuff and doing it right.
0: Yeah, one of the things First off, I do want to welcome Dane into the world, uh, and I want to give you credit for being an incredible dad and an incredible business owner and doing what you do, uh, the amount of hours that you spend uh, dedicating to the podcast to make sure that we keep it going, even though you have so much going on in your life. Um, one of the cool things about the podcast is... Life happens as we podcast, as we document, as we talk to people. Um, But it also gives Derek and I an opportunity to get out of our own way and to go and meet new people, try new places. Um, And part of the biggest thing for us is exploring this West Coast barbecue movement and really uh, seeing what other craft of barbecue there is in San Diego. And, you know, for me, having grown up in La Jolla, we opened in 2008 Cali Comfort Barbecue and 2008, just after that, in 2009, I saw a barbecue restaurant open up in La Jolla. At that time, we weren't really doing barbecue out in Spring Valley. Um, I was curious about the spot. I stopped in. It was good barbecue. Um, But you know, life happened. And sure enough, last week after uh, Dane was born, you were back at work and you just gave me a call. You're like, dude, let's fucking go get some food. (laughs) Let's get the fuck out and go get some food. And uh, Union Tribune put out a Best barbecue list, which will uh, we might disagree with some of the picks that they made. Um, it's it's less about best for us, and it's more about the story and the why. And you know, for us, we decided to go out to East Lake and no appointment, just walked in, and first person we met was the owner, the owner who's joining us today, and that's uh, Jeff Jeff Nicoletta, Bubba's Smokehouse Barbecue in East Lake and La Jolla, two two fucking restaurants. Why would you open two punishment. fucking restaurants? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank well, you guys welcome, welcome me yeah, on welcome. And, uh, I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for taking the time to kind of share, you know, your journey and kind of what it's all about at Bubba's. Um, so, what was your uh, insight to barbecue? How would you even get
2: started in barbecue? When I got out of the military, I ran a chain of barbecue restaurants, and it just it just seemed easier, right, to do that kind of concept, just because I was familiar with meat and smoking techniques and
1: sure was it uh, you know where you got what kind of smokers were you using at your first place
2: we always use southern pride smokers they yeah. were always just foolproof they last a long time if you keep them clean and,
1: and that's what you're using now right yep so we went there and uh, tried a bunch of stuff and i mean the the it was amazing i mean in just you know, being out there, it was kind of an underserved area for barbecue, right? I don't imagine there's many other places out in uh, East Lake or La Jolla, mm-hmm. so to have some some good eats out there is, uh, you know, it's a good good for the neighborhood. It's good for uh, the community to do it. Um, but what's your uh, what's your go to? What's your favorite favorite thing to barbecue?
2: I'd have to say the brisket. Yeah, just because the uh, the response that people give to good brisket. It's more uh, usually they get dry. They claim or mm-hmm. they seem to like the brisket and just get a good response. And you were
1: doing that at your old place as well. Yes.
2: Yeah. So
1: okay, um, <clears throat> brisket is something that we always talk about. It's so <laughs> fucking hard to do. Like to I, I can't. Up. You know I can't tell you. I you know we have cooking classes all the time and different stuff. And I talk to people and they're like, how do I make a good brisket? And I always tell them you have to make bad brisket before you make good brisket because it's incredibly hard. It's a weight-bearing muscle that people don't understand. It needs to really break down. And, you know, you get to your stall and, and people are like, oh, it's done. Like for me, I, I at 180, I was always pulling my briskets off. And, you know, 10 years ago when I was doing them, I, everything was just so chewy and I, I couldn't get it right. And finally, <clears throat> after meeting Gene and kind of going over and breaking down exactly what brisket was, um, it really helped me understand how, you know, you really have to – Get it, you know. There is no perfect temperature for brisket. It's more of a feel than it is anything else. But you know, we we get up to around two hundred degrees, and uh, it some seems to work out pretty good. So our briskets now are uh, night and day compared to what they were, um, you know, when we first started.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things for us, you know, this is a business and digital marketing podcast through the eyes of barbecue, but for us, we are so fortunate to have listeners that either they're barbecue teams, um, or they compete, or they're in catering, or they just have a a drive to want to open up a business and maybe it's not even barbecue. Um, but one of the things that is fascinating is when you catch that barbecue bug, because as a, for us, Cali comfort, we opened and we weren't a barbecue restaurant. I mean, we were built on breakfast and the sports entertainment aspect was something that really drove us and the full liquor license and offering something that, you know, we were in spring Valley an underserved area. Um, when did you catch the barbecue bug?
2: Uh, I opened in 2009. I ran a chain of barbecue restaurants.
0: Which was? What uh, was it called? Joey's Barbecue. Joey's Barbecue.
2: I don't even know if they're still around. Were you barbecuing before that? Nope, never barbecued in my life. Really? Never, uh, <laughs> to be honest, never even found it that interesting. What I find interesting about it... I. I don't even like touching my food. Right. (laughs) What I find interesting. We appreciate honesty (laughs) on this
0: podcast. That's for sure. (laughs) What I find
2: interesting about barbecue is just how there's so many different techniques. As far as messing up, last week, the gasket wasn't on right on my smoker. When I hit start, I saw smoke coming out of the side. I was like, oh, it'll be all right. Next morning, brisket was chewy. Right. So, yeah, it has to be sealed up right. It has to to have a jello consistency Mm -hmm. because I don't. It's more of a look than it is a uh, an actual temperature to right. me. It's more of a jello consistency. I, I try to be able to look at it before it's even trimmed, just in case I don't want to trim it till I serve it. Right. So mm-hmm. there's a. As far as technique, I've been told the rest. I've been told the restaurant business is a is a science. I don't believe it's a science. I think it's more <laughs> of a taste than a look. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, the craziest part is, you know, so many people get into the restaurant business with different backgrounds and whatever your dream is, you actually have to go through the shit in order to either open up that business or to sustain in business. And one of the things that Derek and I respect the shit out of is anybody that's been able to fucking do it. It's one thing to say you want to do it. It's another thing to do it. And then it's another thing to get up every fucking day and go in and deal with the lawsuits, deal with all the shit, deal with people not showing up to work, deal with people complaining, people on Yelp, um, leases, getting in and opening up a space, you know, going into La Jolla. I mean, you had some big fucking balls. I'll tell you that much to go on prospect Avenue and open up a fucking barbecue restaurant. And I've got nothing but props for you for grinding it out and doing that. Uh, talk about the process before you made that jump, you know, working for a barbecue chain is one thing, but then saying, Hey, I'm going to go fucking invest money. I mean, I don't know if it was your money or someone else's money, but getting to that point where it's like, Hey, I'm going to fucking do it myself. Tell us about that.
2: Uh, I always had more of a... the guy that I worked for was very confident in what he did, so it kind of rubbed off. I mean, even confident to more of an arrogance. it was uh, it was always easy to me. the operating of the business, the, the finding the location. I don't know. it goes by gut feeling, really. Right. I've been told I'm insane to listen to my. <laughs> it should be all it should be all numbers. Right. It's more I walked on prospect. I was looking at locations. I wanted to go off on my own. I had enough rent at my house to cover about seven months. So I had to make a paycheck within seven months. I'd stopped working for the barbecue chain I was working for. And I started looking on Craigslist for locations. And I also used other people to help me find locations. Mainly, they found high-priced locations in shopping centers. I found a location on Prospect. Uh, on Craigslist, and I went in and I negotiated it. And was it
1: was it a restaurant before?
2: Yeah, it was a health food restaurant. Believe was it? Or not.
1: And they, when you went in there, was it uh, the kitchen was set up for you? How, how, I mean, you had to do a bunch of ti's. I'd imagine, right?
2: No, they uh, they went out of business. They had a whole bunch of equipment. I have a friend that owns a re- equipment company, and I traded out. And they already had a hood. I got a smoker really cheap. My initial investment in the restaurant business was nothing. Yeah. And then how'd you do your lease? Was your lease like a five-year, ten-year? It was a seven-year sublease, and then I negotiated a 20-year lease after that.
1: Oh, nice. Nice. So it's doing good there. I mean, I, I drove by the other day with Sean, and I didn't know where it was exactly. But, I mean, you're in the fucking
2: heart of La Jolla. I didn't know. I mean, you're... I do sit three feet below... Uh, street level though yeah so it's not always easy to find it's definitely
0: it's definitely has its challenges but you also get the reward of all the people that come to visit la jolla um la jolla i mean it's right up my wife and i got married at the wedding bowl so it's you know it's a good football field two football fields away from that and um just incredible coastline incredible
2: part of la jolla believe it or not what keeps me in business is the locals Yep, it's not the oh
0: well, Any, re- are the any restaurant, the any restaurant, the what's going to keep you in business is going to be the locals. If you don't win the fucking locals, forget about it. Don't even, don't even get into business. <laughs> That's that's 100%.
1: Yeah, that's actually, I mean, I would have thought the opposite because it's such a touristy place that you would have, you know, been able to embrace the tourism and, and bring them in. But it's actually good to hear that the locals are, because that's your sustainability, right? That's how you're going to keep going is making sure that those locals. Want, the regulars. Yeah. The regulars want to fucking keep coming back and that's a testament to what you're doing. Um, have you ever done any competitions or done anything outside of uh, your restaurant or just... Done, done your restaurant stuff?
2: Uh, just done my restaurant. Uh, and the and caterings, I imagine? Yep.
1: A bunch of catering. so...
2: Anytime I was asked to compete, I always said I'd compete for people's money. <laughs> 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 I, I Isn't that the truth? I
0: compete every fucking day. <laughs> All day. Do it for strictly uh, monetary
1: stuff. That's uh, that's different. I mean, for for me, I I wanted to do competition because it allowed me a avenue to show what we were doing. And... and uh, gain you know different recipes and stuff and you know try different things and see what people responded to before we ended up starting doing barbecue here because my dad had his own his own way of doing things and it wasn't necessarily the exact same way that i like to do stuff so once um we started doing competitions doing well then i'm like okay yeah this is what what i want to do and that's when i really kind of took that leap to do barbecue a a lot more um out here so just kind of playing playing with those recipes is uh for me, was really important.
0: Yeah, I mean, nothing's nothing's more difficult than building a restaurant menu. Talk about building your first barbecue menu.
2: Uh, it was more of What did you fuck up? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I, it was, of, I crushed it. Was it was weird. <laughs> it, the restaurant just opened up and had a line out the door. They both did. I've been very lucky in that. I don't know why. I. I it's usually my... I'm usually the one to mess anything up. If it happens to be at first, I didn't. It was fresh running a restaurant. I had a good staff. Uh, looking at the menu, I just kind of duplicated what I always did: right. uh, pull port, burgers. It was just more of a lower-priced, uh, high-quality, quick-service restaurant. It was my my goal in the business is to see people's reaction reaction to price reaction to quality reaction to taste so you have to give people a value for their money they have to walk in and say "Hmm, this is worth the money that i worked my ass off for all week that's what i strive for that's what i work for um the passion is that the passion is people's reaction the operation i i can't even say it's about money i wish i could it's about reaction.
0: It can't be about money. It, it's way too much fucking work. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't fucking do it. No. I mean, there's no way. Well, there I mean, are some. It's, it's possible, but you have to have a passion for something bigger than the actual monetary reason. Yes, you want to provide. Yes, you want to stay in fucking business, obviously. But in order to sustain and go through the stuff that you've gone through and to be willing to open up another location, like you got to have a little bit of crazy in you.
2: It becomes... Uh it becomes work when you open up multiple because then you need process. Yep. Then it no longer becomes about passion. It is business. Mm-hmm. That's opening a second restaurant. That's what makes it not fun. <laughs> it becomes business. So, are you uh, saying that there's not going to be a third? <laughs> uh, if there's going to be a third restaurant, my staff would have to want to do it because yeah. I definitely don't want to. I don't. I have a passion for the restaurant not the restaurant business right I have a passion for operations and I don't know food cost and controlling and it's just it's it's fun to be there when you have to get away from there because you have to negotiate and you have to go talk to people and you have to leave the restaurant which that part isn't work to me Everything else outside of that becomes work.
0: Tell us about the food cost. You were going over it before we started the podcast. I think it's something that's pretty important to uh, discuss.
2: I look at it as a video game. The lower you get your food costs and your labor, the more points you get. The more customers you please, the more points you get. You walk in and you bat a 1,000 every day. That's your goal. I want to bat a 1,000. To barbecue is very difficult, dependent on the quality of meat you serve. The higher the quality, the more the cost. The trick is to portion it correctly to be able to run a food cost that to operate efficiently with a good staff that, in the way California is to operate. you got to run about a 28% food cost.
0: Which, you know? is, which is very good for a barbecue restaurant. I mean, that's very impressive, 28%
2: you got to go to restaurant Depot every day and slave. (laughs) (laughs) So it it is very difficult to achieve it. I've tried it every other way. I've tried ordering from companies. It's not even the company's fault. They got to pay truck drivers and
0: fuel costs, fuel costs.
2: And they got to pay the slime ball representative, the, Mm -hmm. the commission. I mean, that's just, so you could, if you could save yourself money and you enjoy that part of it, I suggest getting the highest quality product at the best price possible. So that you can make the most money off of it to stay in business. That's really all it is. It's a circle. They have to give you money to stay in business. In Eastlake, all my customers say, <laughs> when they first walk in, you're not going out of business, right? They want you there as well if you mm-hmm. give them a reason to be there.
0: That's very impressive. I mean, it, it's a great way to look at it, too, is gaming it. You know, if you look at it as a as a game, I mean the biggest driving costs are your prime costs. So your food costs and your labor, those are the direct operating costs, the things that you can control. Okay. And if you can't control those fucking things, good luck. It's not going to happen.
1: You're not going to be in the business very long. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean you, don't, you don't necessarily control those as you know, the, the market, the, the beef market, you know, they have different uh, parameters that they have to hit, you know? So your food costs, can go up but you just have to be on top of it enough to change your prices. That's what, so for yeah, for but, me like it's we go up and down yearly um in the in the grocery industry with with the price of cattle what they're walking at uh you know hanging weight right now and it's surprisingly not as as high as I thought it would be but we have to make sure that when it comes in that we're getting the percentage we need every single time and if we're not on top of that and we just think like every week we don't check the invoices and i mean i can't imagine anyone ever doing that In a, I i did that place. for a
2: while it doesn't work it doesn't work <laughs> yeah,
1: well yeah absolutely it's uh you can get beat up really really quick now there's times that you have to eat costs like there's times when you know, our flat meat for our carne asada, which is our one of our number one sellers, goes up to seven bucks a pound. I'm selling it for nine ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not making any money because we're trimming it. I'm putting labor. We're slicing it. I'm probably losing money on that mm-hmm. that item. I but used it's to do dry. that
2: on prime beef ribs, yeah, or prime brisket. You would right. lose, and you pay three sixty one a pound right. and okay. all I mean, to be honest, in the last nine years or eight, I don't know. I don't think the meat business. Beef ribs used to be $1.99 because nobody wanted them. Mm-hmm. Now they're $2.85, you could probably get them for. Baby backs only went up 10 cents, 15 cents in nine years. Right. I used to get them at 225, now I get them at 234. Mm-hmm. I mean, the it didn't fluctuate. What fluctuated was taxes, labor costs, gas, so vegetables, man. I think produce is the worst. Broccoli. <laughs> Broccoli will be nine bucks a case and then $48 a case. Yep. Right. I think if you're making things from scratch, your biggest cost is the fluctuation of produce. Meat, fr- frozen goods, box goods. I mean, ketchup has been $18 a case for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the costs fluctuate to me and vegetables because meat, yeah, a little. I mean, meat went up a dollar, but I raised my prices too.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you have to think about volume as well. So, I mean, for uh, a grocery store, we're doing, you know, I'm doing for flat meat, I'm probably doing a thousand pounds a week. You know, so uh, a dollar a pound is a lot of a lot of money. To you're be. still um, making good money. You know, we uh, we just have to make sure that you you're on top of it to you know change those prices. And sometimes you don't change those prices and you get bit in the ass. And sometimes you do it strategically to not you know, you know we I'll, I'll be completely honest i i need to go up on our carne asada and i'm not going to do it until probably after labor day because we almost did it before memorial day yeah and the reason we didn't is because people are going to say oh you did it right before you raised the prices right before memorial day because you know we're going to buy it i just didn't want that negative condensation for us so if it was going to save me a thousand dollars i didn't care Mm -hmm. i was i was going to take that and say okay so they can uh you know know that we're not doing that we're trying to you know do everything we can for them and then once if it does go up anymore then i just have to go up you know mm-hmm. but we're trying to keep it to where i can break even let everyone enjoy it and then you know we'll work out other prices after that
0: what kind of internal systems are you using to help you with your food costing your recipe costing are you doing that all yourself old school
2: old school and um, i used to have a book i had a bookkeeping company up until the end of february so
0: Local one or?
2: Yeah, a yeah. huge one. It's called Flores Financial. They mm-hmm. do all of Cohen Restaurant Group. They are a great bookkeeping company if everybody, anybody wants one. Yeah. But they're really expensive. Mm-hmm. And it was like having other employees. I could call up, say, I want a food call. I want a P&L done right now. I want projections done. I want anything I want done, they would do.
0: Did they do weekly P&Ls?
2: Anything I wanted. If I wanted a weekly one, I could get it. I mm-hmm. just. I, I stopped paying attention because it was so easy. Yeah. That's two... Two restaurants are not or hard, even harder now because I don't have a bookkeeping company. Uh, it's very... That's what makes it difficult. But having... Having all the things I had made it too easy. and made me real cocky and that's what causes problems sometimes in this business. Yeah. You have to maintain. You have to be humble and always assume... Your food isn't consistent. You have to taste it every day. You can never take your eye off the ball in this business, ever. I think the only time you can take your eye off the ball is if you franchise and you want it to then now just be about money and you walk away. I don't think I can operate a restaurant all about money. I think as far as meat goes and giving people something, what I've learned when I first opened, I kept my prices really low for the first four years because the economy was bad. Customers would come in yelling because they said my prices were too low. I wasn't going to be able to stay in business. That's
0: crazy. To keep your prices low in La Jolla. I mean, that's and they kudos, appreciate kudos to you. Fuck yeah, they appreciated it.
2: But then they then they came in to like check my prices and they like it because they know I'm staying there. They're not stupid. They can see gas prices are 50% more. Your customers mm-hmm. on Memorial Day know that. It's just another dig to just get a lower price. They, if the quality is good, it is very difficult nowadays to get high quality product at a good price with good service. I'm about to go spend $25 a pound on whatever you're selling as soon as I get done with this. Because <laughs> I want to eat a steak tonight. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I don't care about paying that. Right. It's about quality. I think nowadays I I get in arguments with people about Mm -hmm. my beef ribs. Some people want to pay $35 a rack. I won't for prime beef that costs triple what I'm paying right now or double. Some people don't. So that's a decision I make now where if my quality is good enough and if it's lack of meat that's on the bone, I'll live with it. Right. For that reason. If it was quality, I'd spend double.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're getting into the age right now. Um, where people are getting away from commodity stores. And they're getting away from the commercial stuff. And they're going back to the craft. Whether it be craft beer, craft barbecue, craft foods. I mean, Sean and I went to a place, Urban Plates, yesterday. Holy shit.
0: That was just fucking phenomenal. It's right near my house. I Urban place. Plates and fucking Tender Greens. They're yeah. crushing it. They, yeah. They're they're healthy fucking crushing it.
2: Mendocino Farms. It's the new concept right now. Salads and just think. They all computerized it. All their money's going into the kitchen. You the kitchen's right food. in front of you. you the labor cost is down damage. to nothing. Yes, because all your money is going to the kitchen guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's worth it. Uh, soon enough, they're going to have computers in the front. I think the best concept, not for you guys, you have bars. You you have a, but for my con, for my concept, a flip around computer. Yeah. That works out fine. Like McDonald's. Like McDonald's and you spend all your money on the food because right. barbecue is about prep. Right. Scratch food is about prep. All you need is fast hands. Yeah, no, I mean we're but we're
1: seeing that craft just kind of take over everywhere. And it's it's good to see. I mean, I, I enjoy it because people are wanting to come in and buy the USCA Prime ribeyes and take them home and they're not paying they're not going to a uh Donovan's or a Ruth Chris and, and spending a hundred bucks on a steak. They're getting it here for twenty five bucks, taking it home and making it exactly how they want it, and it's a better quality than what they're getting at the at the restaurants. Um and then what I think like I said with what Urban Plates did, uh, I mean yesterday I was just in in you know, in awe about how awesome it was. Uh, the food was really, really good. The you you know when you walk in how long it's gonna be. So you don't have to wait or waiting on you and saying, Okay, hey, I've been waiting here for twenty minutes, you know, when's my food coming out? You're in a fucking line. And when that line moves up, you order your food, they give it to you, and you go. So it's it's a the process for me. You know, I I actually really, really enjoyed that
0: whole I mean, we were there at 1 o'clock on a Monday afternoon, and they have, probably have patio seating for 125. There was no fucking seats. Yeah. Was, yeah. They just we ran. were in line to get in, and, I mean, it's easy 25 bucks a person once we got out of there with all the fucking trinkets we <laughs> we had. Yeah. I overindulged <laughs> yeah. yesterday. <laughs> you deserved it. You've been starving yourself. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I eat there every couple of weeks. Uh, it's good.
1: Do you? Yeah, I mean, just that concept alone, the the fast, casual, um, get it and and go sit down. Because we have to always keep thinking about that. What's our our big thing is is labor. And it's like, I don't want to get rid of employees, but we have to get the right employees to do the right things. I can't have... you know, people just standing around. We we have to make sure that everyone's doing a job that's going to pay for themselves. In, in high options. volume. That's fi- what those concepts to, yeah, do. Yeah, we have
0: to figure out new revenue centers. I mean, we have to figure out ways to get our menu online and do delivery and do online ordering so people can come and pick it up and take it out. I mean, one of the best things that we did as a restaurant was integrating our website so that the online order process through our Aloha POS So instead of having a company, a third party company like Grubhub or Uber Eats come in, give us another printer, become a different party that they're going to accept the money. They're going to give us terms. Now we we do it all ourselves so we can actually control the process. Uh, tell us about Uber Eats. Your experience with that. Let
2: me first. Let me ask you a question. You guys do delivery? Is that we We don't
0: do delivery. No, not yet.
2: You do delivery for
0: caterings? For caterings, yeah. Okay. For caterings. So for when you order. say
2: integrates with your Aloha system, it, an order comes in over line, oh, oh, it, over the computer, online, and they yeah. just come in and pick it up through
0: the, through your smartphone. Order it comes through. Doesn't go to the host. Goes directly. Prints out of our POS get it in the kitchen. Order, put it right there. Put it out. Yeah.
2: That's pretty cool. Uh, Uber Eats. I didn't like the. I didn't like the people, so I still use DoorDash. If you notice DoorDash, the people come in; they're well dressed, they're clean, they're efficient. They get there on time. They run your food.
0: So, do, does DoorDash have a separate system that prints out for you? No, nope. it have, just comes they, over a tablet. They, okay, so it comes they provide over a you a tablet.
2: Yep, it beeps. If you don't answer the stupid tablet, then yeah. the uh, phone starts ringing. <laughs> you have to. Customers have grabbed a tablet. And shut it up before. It's aggravating till you put in the order. So it works. You could adjust the time on the order. Put a forty-five minute ticket time. They show there. They show up there in forty-five minutes. Uh, Uber Eats, they'd come in whenever they thought it was the right time, no matter what you put. Uber takes thirty percent, which in our business that's all of your money.
0: Absolutely, thirty percent in what? After thirty days, are they is it terms, or they pay you weekly?
2: They pay you weekly. They pay you weekly. Um, and then the level. I wouldn't let the people handle my food. If I was ordering from Uber Eats, I would close the door in the guy's face. They're gross. Mm-hmm. The people touching the food have no training with food. Uber in general, Uber's exactly what you see. The the, the the people driving the Uber cars are the same people handling your food. I didn't like it. I just. I mean, liked. I
0: think the toughest part for a restaurant owner or an operator is the the issue is you you lose your control. And that's the only thing that you have, is you have your service, you have your quality of your product, and it's hard enough to fucking do that right. i make it's enough hard mistakes. En- yeah, it's hard or enough I'm to make right sure that the barbecue's done fucking amazing, that the hostess takes down the correct order, or that the order's processed properly, or and then or cross- that the, so fo- or that the food is in the right container so that it doesn't, you know, get bad by the time someone gets home. And then to have somebody else, a third party come in, that there's no control that you have. You have zero control. I mean, my wife and I, we ordered from Yelp, who's partnered with Grubhub, on Sunday— we ordered it. They told us it would take 35 minutes. By the time it was an hour later, my wife's like, can you check on the food? It's 915 already on a Sunday night. I go contact Grubhub, Grubhub. It says we were experiencing a high volume of calls. Please contact the restaurant. I call the restaurant like, yeah, we're about to close. I'm like, well, I put in a to-go order through Grubhub. Do you guys have the order? Like, oh yeah, it's been ready for 40 minutes. It's been ready for 40 minutes. Now I have cold food. I've never tried this restaurant before. Now I have a bad experience because of Grubhub, not the restaurant's fault. So how does a restaurant owner operator deal with that? And I think that's one of the biggest challenges with all these delivery companies that are coming in. Cancel it. Yeah. That's I how mean, restaurant owner deals with it. it, it so, to be honest with you, that, that's what you have to do. You have to make Why
2: don't
1: you guys just deliver? Uh, because like restaurants. to find staffing
0: it it's always and, the, it's the staffing and the workers comp and the insurance and look well, the insurance
2: isn't more I I looked into that it's no if you, you got to get the people constantly so if you got a guy standing there for four hours at ten dollars an hour and you're not getting any delivery orders then mm-hmm. it's a waste of money in La Jolla But can't he bridge what oh can he do both he can he can be yeah, working but then in if and there's and, a delivery um let's say I'm working with him I get stuck by myself and then we get a line out. yeah them. So it more, we tried delivery when I first opened in La Jolla. We really? got a bicycle. And tried <laughs> no, that's to do
0: great. Delivery. Let's talk about that. It
2: didn't, uh, <laughs> it didn't work unless me and my wife were doing it. It didn't cost anything then. She went into delivery. It became a little dangerous in La Jolla. Like people would bump her bike. Like they don't know how to drive in La Jolla. So you definitely don't want to be riding a bike with delivery food. So it, after about a year and a half, it was like, we're good. Yeah. But if you could consistently get the delivery, so even in East in East Lake I'm getting maybe ten delivery orders a night through DoorDash. Maybe it'd be worth it to advertise delivery. But if you're only doing twelve hundred dollars on a Tuesday, why waste the money on labor to may or may not? That's the thing with delivery, it's may or may not. Yeah. Uh, unless you're living off delivery like Domino's, Papa John's and all that. Correct. That's where the services come in. DoorDash is good cuz they don't take a they take a percentage but you could adjust the price. So people pay a lot of money for me to deliver through DoorDash, but I'm not losing anything.
0: They're paying for it. Right. Yeah, exactly. They pay the upcharges. they pay, they pay the con- they, they pay the convenience fee
2: and the upcharges. Mm-hmm. I increase all my prices by 25% on DoorDash. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Customers know They they'll call me up and be like, Shh, "Shit, I should come get it." yeah and i'm like they're like yeah but i got four kids fuck it i'll pay them
0: i am i'll you, pay the commission you know. just said exactly right i mean i can't my wife and i we can't leave like our son's sleeping would you what pay the fuck? yeah i'll pay it okay fuck yeah, I'll pay it. there you go you like don't care if, if, if you I'm, like if I'm the at restaurant position, yeah if i'm at a position where i can't leave the house and i want to be home with my wife i'm not gonna fucking leave i'll pay it the trick is if it's good enough food i always look at it you want to be it's on people's 40 minutes rotation minutes I eat out
2: because I'm sick of my own food. Mm -hmm. So, like Puerto Vallarta taco shop, they're on my rotation. Urban Plates once every few weeks. I get sick of eating healthy food though. (laughs) (laughs) Like those, those are on there every few weeks. Like Greek food or Mediterranean to be healthy. But Mm -hmm. I mean, get on people's rotation. You're very be people's cheat restaurant. That always works too. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like there
1: has to be some type of. I mean, again, I'm I'm talking because I don't have the restaurants. I don't I don't do all those. I do a grocery store and a little barbecue shack. But I mean, there there isn't a way to let's just say a hostess who is someone that doesn't necessarily have to be there as
0: much. She has to be there.
1: But you have three of them. Let's so say you he, have two of them. Say so you have two of them, and one goes. Well, on the, the reason delivery. why there's
0: two is because the other one. So there always has to be for us at our restaurant. We always have a host at the front, which is we're paying that extra cost during those downtimes, which is the hardest part of a restaurant is, you know, your time in between after lunch service from two to four. So from two to four, we're paying for that host. Like, so
1: what I'm saying though, is that, that, that person that might have downtime that could be
2: doing deliveries. Is that not, so you're paying them anyway, but now you're only,
0: you're what happens if
2: somebody orders a one and you're slammed and you can't now let the host go. I run that whole, uh, so the whole urban plates idea is what I run. quick service, mm-hmm. casual, fresh mm-hmm. food i it's if <laughs> I'm working with one other person when I work. The reason why I don't cut them is because I'm not going to clean. I might as well make them do the extra cleaning and stuff. You have a full service restaurant, so yeah, you either keep a host or one of your waitresses got to greet the people when they come through the door. Mm-hmm. You have to get the people to the bar. you have <laughs> you have a really hard concept that I don't like. Yeah. You have to spend labor even when you – what are you doing? Between two and four, you have to spend that labor, right? Correct. It's very labor intensive. And you want – if it's a bar concept, I imagine you want more drunks in there than you can imagine because your best markup is the bar.
0: Yeah, but then if they're too drunk, then they sue me for getting – Car accident. Well, <laughs> yeah. So that, Uber. That's... that's how you should advertise.
2: Uber. <laughs> you want to advertise Uber? Do it like that. Yeah.
0: Not my food. My drunks. Carry my drunks on Yeah. I just. Yeah. I
2: mean, like I said,
1: it was just a uh, thought. I just
0: the pro. Like the problem is, is like every person that's staffed is staffed there for a reason, and they're not staffed for a flex. So it's like if you staff someone, because I don't know about a well, grocery then store, sta- then the staff best... one for a flex. Yeah, but yeah, what happens if you get no deliveries? Yeah, that's the problem. You
1: eat it. You eat it. It's, it's I mean you're you're building it, right? It's something you build. I mean, I mean it's the same concept for what we do in in pro like we we bring in new concepts and we know we're going to lose money at first.
2: Well, yeah, I think you Phil's need, Barbecue can do that. Yeah. Uh, I think you got you know, you're a huge concept that is just based on money. Yeah, you can do that yeah. for sure. But um, let me I don't know sorry about, to, about I need that. to go talk about
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. my cooler real quick for I'll sure. right back in. Sorry us um, let's, uh Let's talk a little bit about any any regrets you had along the way, or anything you would have done differently. How about that? Uh,
2: other than these two restaurants, opening the second one and taking my eye off the ball would be the only thing I did.
0: Wrong. Why do you say but you take, took your eye off the ball?
2: I became, I thought, what do you mean now? I own two restaurants. I don't have to go to Restaurant Depot anymore. I don't have to. I I don't have to, I could just stand around now and go in and taste my food and walk around and let the guys do the orders. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. You have to be there and do it. You have to work just as hard at the second one that you did. You're building your first one. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be easier. It is not. That's, uh, now the better your staff gets. I'm getting really good staff now. I got my kitchen staff really well.
0: How are you finding your staff or how are you doing your hiring process
2: the guys bring in like i'm a hire the guy's brother it's just luck of the draw i went to at&t the other day and bought a phone the guy lived in chula vista i was like hey you know anybody that needs a job he's like oh shit my cousin needs a job boom try
1: Perfect.
2: him out now i mean we'll see if the guy's good he starts tomorrow he might suck
0: well i mean i think part of that part of what you're doing is important and it's always be recruiting always um you can't you, no matter where you go, you just don't know where somebody is in their cycle of whatever business. And if they give you incredible service, I don't give a shit if you have a, ba- a restaurant background. If you give incredible service, that's all I care about.
2: If I could, I could teach. If you show up on time, you interact with people. I could teach a vegetarian to sell barbecue, which I do have two vegetarians that work for me. <laughs> uh, um, it. It. You don't. You don't have to be passionate about the actual like how you guys say you're passionate about barbecue as long you the girl's not passionate about barbecue she's passionate about making tips and customers being happy sure to tip her she doesn't care she'll tell them the brisket sandwich is good or i'll come up behind her and joke around and be like she's a vegetarian don't pay attention to her and then they start (laughs) laughing and they order it's it's all about a customer's experience it's all about experience and i feel when the owner's standing there they're more apt to joke around once they, see him, once they know I'm the owner, they loosen up. It becomes almost like they're invited into my house. It's fun. It could become a lot of fun because it's not, oh, the employee's being rude. It's, oh, he's just messing around. Why would he mess up his own business?
0: It's a different... Did that take you a while to recognize that? Because, I mean, it's definitely one of the things, depending on your personality type, is getting to the point where you're actually running the floor and interacting in a way that... You know, hey, yeah, this this is my business. You know, it, it become it, it becomes more personal
2: from the get go. I knew that. I always operated like that, mm-hmm. except for the last year. My first seven, nine months of owning my second restaurant was the only time I stopped thinking that. I thought your employees would be able to. What do these crazy freaking concepts say? You know, it's the people you hire. It's the it's the culture you create. It's the it's the, they they run themselves if you find the right people they'll create the culture i believed all of that crap i left one thing out i never found the right people so it never worked right so what i realized is i'm the right person so i'll go and work hard keep on it, it why i got annoyed what was so demotivating about owning a second restaurant is can you can you clean that yes come back and it's not clean you have to literally stand over them and say, "Clean it, or I'm going to fire you." And right. then they clean it. After firing a bunch of them, which I really didn't want to do, now they do what I say one time. Right. It sucks. You have to make examples out of people. You literally have to run it like the military. And I didn't want to have to do that. Well, it works.
1: That, yeah, that you came out of, and you didn't want to be like that. But I mean, there's a there's a happy medium on everything. We're um, here. I think because we've been in business for so long, it's very easy for us to kind of create a, an atmosphere where people aren't afraid. Um, they're, it's inviting. But I know when I first got in here, my dad kind of told me, "He's like, hey, you got to go fire someone, like because you have to set a tone and where they know that you know it's gonna be." So it was like three months later, and it was one of my friends that I thought that stole from us and I'm like, well, there, here I go. You know, it's easy, easy. first time to go, to go fire someone. Um, and those are the things you learn. I mean, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but like hanging out with your employees and doing stuff, I mean, you'll never catch me at a, uh, a bar with one of my employees and stuff like that. So our, our, uh, our Been business, there. Been there. yeah, yep. my, my business is, uh, you know, important enough to me to separate those two. And, you know, there's, been many times that I've sponsored events for my employees to go together, and I've bought them <laughs> drinks, um, but just not being there. Yeah. I, you know, I can't uh, put myself in that position to get too too friendly. I, I talk to them all the time about their lives and what they're doing and, and how we can uh, motivate them to, to do better, but um, it's never going to be over a drink after work.
2: Anytime I've ever done that, it never really works out. I always keep trying, because when I work for somebody, I was his friend. And I worked better at running those restaurants than he did. I don't know if I'll ever find someone like that. But I I found a few really good ones. But yes, it comes to a point where I always say you can't break bread with the employees, I guess. And I hate that. I've tried. I still probably will try again. Right. And it won't work. But this time, (laughs) now it gets to the point where just because I'm having a drink with you, which I don't really drink, but just because I'm talking to you after work. Doesn't mean I won't fire you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's where now I I don't care. So yes, I've gone out and had a drink when an employee pissed me off. I fired him the next day. Mm. It's nothing personal. he come in. I, I still buy him lunch when he comes in. But I still fire I fire. I don't care. Right. It's business. It's now come where all the other employees know it's about their paycheck. The customers pay them. You give me perfection and you'll get paid. We'll have a lot of fun. I have a good time at work every day. Give me high quality food. Make a mistake. Don't be careless. Yeah. You make a mistake, you're fine. I don't care. I make them all day long. Right. I made about 10 the other day. How, many, how many flavors orders. do you have? Not, not many. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, six in the front between both restaurants. Eight? Maybe, no, six between both restaurants and maybe 10 in the kitchen between both restaurants. That's impressive. Maybe twelve. Lean, lean, and I lean, could lean. run I mean on fourth of July we'll do twelve grand. We did five the other day with I think my my every two week labor with taxes and everything in East like six thousand dollars. hmm I it's it's hard because I have to stand there. My staff is getting better now, so as long as I could leave when it's slow or go outside or be able to walk away or go chill in La Jolla with the business owners that I mess with to play around, mm-hmm. then I'm cool.
1: You said your two week labor was six grand? Yeah.
2: Last two weeks mine was fifty eight thousand. I mean it's just, it's <laughs> just crazy. A different different industry 10, 10, 10. than you know. Yeah. I mean it's, it's also the size of my concept. It's also mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I've never not taken taken a pay from my business. They say that a lot of business owners can't take money. Well I've always operated it, so I'll just pay myself what I pay a general manager. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a manager per se. She's my shift leader because I pay her salary to work a lot. That's it. She manages, sure. writes schedules. She helps me out a lot. What's her name? Erin.
0: Erin. How long has she been working for you? Two years. Yep. Two she, does both, train.
2: she does both stores? Yeah, we all run both of them. We yeah. alternate, me, my wife, and her. She awesome. goes to Restaurant Depot. She's... She learned from nothing. She worked at a car dealership. What she did learn managing, and I told her before she took salary, you're really not going to like this. Because when it comes to where I'm paying you a lot of money, I'm going to be very, not hard on you, but I'm going to be detail oriented. The expectations are going to be a lot higher. Of course, since I like her, she's done dumb stuff like not checked before they turned on the smoker, left the gas on one time in SDG and had to come out. Like she's made her share of mistakes. Sure. I have too, but she's she learned at this point, this is her last month of making salary. She's going to go back to making manager, hourly pay, (laughs) because she wants to go be an esthetician and work part-time, eight six hours a day in the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. Still do schedules, but on the clock while she's working. The The poor girl, it happened exactly what I told her. It is a horrible business. Horrible. I describe it as holding a lighter to your forearm. That's the restaurant business. (laughs) Any restaurant owner that I've ever talked to, I don't know about you guys, at at Restaurant Depot, any of these guys that work like I work, Hate their business. Uh, <laughs> I love the customers. I don't. I don't, I don't either. I don't. But I also don't
0: go to restaurant fucking depot. Yeah. You know, every time food. I walk in restaurant depot, I fucking hate myself yeah. for being in for being in restaurant depot. <laughs> no, that's, it's, that's why we have a good partnership with U.S. Foods. They are they, they, they're they, a very they good take, They take very good care of us. They've been th- on the podcast. And
1: what you said earlier though kind of strikes home. Like when you're saying you play a game, and you, that's how you kind of make it work for you. I do the same thing here, um, and I, I know what I'm extremely good at, and I know what I'm not as good at. So I build a team around me to allow it to continue to be fun for me. I, I have a team that, you know, my can I do all my AP and AR? Absolutely. I, I can. I've done it. I did it for a year. Um, I'm very good at it, but I fucking hate that. I, that's, that's a part that I hate. I found someone that absolutely loves that. Like, that's what she, she like, it's almost sickening how much she likes doing that kind of stuff. Abby's a and rock star. Abby is an r- absolute rock star. Rock star. <laughs> um, so you find those people that can do those things that allow you to enjoy what you do because you're so much more valuable to your team when you're enjoying what you do. For me, when I'm... You know, walking around and I'm pissed off where I got something. I just know I create a atmosphere that's not conducive to the workplace. So when I can figure out, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make X, I'm going to end up spending an extra $30,000 this year on something, you know, somebody else working extra or getting a part time employee to do those things that I don't like to do. I mean, it's been so great for just the morale of the whole store and the feel of everyone because everyone's kind of. I try to put people where they're passionate. I try to put people where they enjoy it. Again, it takes a lot and it takes a lot of, you know, weaning through a lot of different employees and, and bringing people in and they don't fit. So you find someone else. But at the end of the day, you know, where we're at now, I'm I'm very fortunate to have the the group of employees and stuff that everyone seems to truly enjoy what they do. And when they don't enjoy it, it's okay to move on. You know, I'll help them move on and I'll whatever I can do. Um, But I want it always to be just kind of fun.
2: I, I, in a sick way, love what I do. See, I'm a perfectionist maybe too much sometimes because I like every book about every great owner and every great operator you always find people to replace to take over what your weaknesses are my passion what I love to do is interact with customers operate taste food get product negotiate leases I love the restaurant business Mm. where my issues are if you ask me what do you hate lack of quality employees Having someone not interact with the customer the way way I want them to because I love it. I might as well stand there. The operation of the restaurant business is fun as long as it's busy. All the other stuff that surrounds the restaurant business is miserable. I had someone that was controlling all the stuff I didn't like. I can't afford to pay them right now. That's why I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. That's it. It was as easy as putting the bills in a bag. What stresses me out is bills, owing money. Mm -hmm. I never had to deal with that. Everything got paid on time. I just had to put the bill in a bag and I operated. And it was only one restaurant. So my wife covered me and we had enough two, three employees that could cover. So now I got to leave when it was slow. I got to go on my vacations four times a year, even though they were five day vacations. Got to go buy whatever I wanted. I got to go. That's what made the business fun. Mm -hmm. Now I can't. Now I hate it. So that I'm just throwing a temper tantrum. Right. As soon as I fix it again, I'll probably be bored again, and probably do dump something stupid <laughs> like open another restaurant again. Well, for you know something
1: that I did a while ago, and it was um, kind of eye-opening when I first bought in to the store. You know, we talk about I don't know what you guys call, it, but we call it our float, how much money we have in the bank to be able to carry all of our you know account uh, payables and receivables and do all that stuff. What. What I did is that I, I ended up, you know, I got done playing football, making a ton of money, selling insurance, making a ton of money. Came in here making nothing. I think the first year I came in here, I made twenty five grand that year. Ended- money Playing football, yeah, I play. I played in the NFL. I did did my thing. Yeah,
2: so can we stop talking about barbecue filets <laughs> <You're so cool. laughs> and go go towards? Uh, yeah, what'd you do? Who'd you play? Wait. I
1: I was fortunate to uh, get a full ride scholarship to Kansas State. Um, played football there with. Uh, Some of my best friends, (laughs) Darren Sprouls, Jeremy Clary, Jesse Tatooine, all those guys. Um, Then I was fortunate to play in the NFL for the Chargers for a second. And then I went to the the Minnesota Vikings and then got uh, sent to NFL Europe. When I went to NFL Europe or when I got sent, I uh, said I didn't think I deserved to go there. So I was going to come and wait for a phone call for the next year. And uh, I am... Still waiting. You
0: sure They didn't uh, call ten, you. Ten years. They didn't uh, call you. Twelve years. I, thought, I, I saw gone. your phone buzzing. Yeah. No, not them. <laughs> it's uh, not
1: them. Twelve years later, <laughs> haven't got a phone call back. So, um, but what I'm saying is that you know, I knew that the I could do it, and I knew I could make it. But I just wanted to put all that money back into the business and create that float to where I didn't have that anxiety, that I didn't have that feel. So I just didn't take any money. I didn't. I fucking ate top ramen. I didn't. I just. On my off time, I just worked out. I didn't do anything else, so I didn't have any bills. And then, but I created a float in the business to where I didn't have the the feeling of like, oh shit, I can't pay this bill. I can't because I mean, dude, when I have That's that, more stress
2: in the world, it's horrible. I had that. I blew it. You guys just ate on what I blew my whole float. Yeah. That's where you guys ate. Too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had no stress. I was bored. I was bored. Yeah, because of that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, for us getting awesome. getting back to, you know, this West Coast barbecue movement and really for Derek and I, what what's happened because of this podcast, it's forced us to reach out to other owners to come and be vulnerable ourselves to say, hey, dude, we fucked up when we were running our restaurant when I got, you know, didn't do the things right. I didn't advertise right. I got sued for ladies night or I didn't pay the Johan promotions to make sure that I got the right licensing to show the fight night or to show the UFC fight Um, But also just to get out there and meet other operators, other people that are doing things, not just in barbecue, but really for barbecue, this community that we have with Brad, with Andy, with John Brachmonte, with Chris, um, with Corbin. I mean, it's it's just so cool. And, you know, even people that have been interacting with the podcast, like Derek Dawson, who's works with the San Diego Gulls. He's participated in the Spring Valley event. Uh, He's signing up to compete in the Del Mar event. Um, he's posting all Dirty the time. Dirty D is going to do the Del Mar. Dirty D is doing Del Mar. Oh, fuck he, is, he is doing Del Mar. Good for him. Yeah, he's taking the big leap, but he's also helping to organize um, these behind the smoke meetups so that we can go and support the other people that are coming on this podcast and sharing their stories. Because there's people all over the world that we're fortunate that listen to this fucking podcast. We have people you know, on the East Coast. We have people up and down California. We have people, friends now in L.A. that are doing their craft craft beer Um, craft beer craft barbecue movement and for us we want to start going out collectively and going out to support Um, Derek and I came down to your shop and next week we're gonna schedule another meetup um, behind the smoke what what uh, what should we get when we come down there
2: Well, the beef ribs now, because somebody helped me fix my beef ribs. <laughs> I would definitely try those, the baby backs and the brisket, for sure.
0: Your mac and cheese is bomb. Really, really Don't, really don't play around with the mac yeah. and cheese. That's I serious. I was actually
2: really impressed with your mac and cheese.
0: You guys make that Tried, fresh Tried tip was really fucking yeah. good. Yeah.
2: Tried tip was is just marinated. It's cooked from raw every yeah. day. The mac and cheese could, well, it's like every two days, because you could make pans of it, and you just don't cook it. Right. There you go. And then you cook it. To order pretty much because it goes fast enough a little pan lasts like an hour
0: right yeah so for everybody that's watching on facebook today's tuesday this afternoon at 12 we're going to go down to a meat locker barbecue um brad lyons he's going to be on later this week podcast comes out on all the podcast platforms every friday at 3 59 a.m um every single week we do a, a different podcast but Every time that we have a restaurant owner or somebody that's here in San Diego local, we want to at least have a local support and kind of meet up, hang out, bullshit, um, have fun. And if anybody visits San Diego that is listening to the podcast anywhere, we hope that you guys reach out to Derek, to myself, to uh, anyone that you hear on the podcast and go out and support these businesses. Because, uh, Jeff, I mean, like I said in the beginning, for someone like you to fucking grind it out and to do what you're doing and to take the time now. I know you're busy. Your wife's down at Restaurant Depot shopping instead of you. Um, it Doing this podcast is a lot of extra fucking work. Let's just be honest about it. Um, but the people that interact, the people that want to open up a restaurant, something that you say might help them on their journey. Um, it might motivate them to... Maybe not open a second location, or maybe focus on the first one, or maybe to put those systems in place that'll help them um, with their goals and their dreams.
1: Yeah, no, I'm just excited to continue this movement and continue uh, doing what we're doing. I think it's it's great for the industry and uh, to have business owners like you come on. We appreciate it. So,
0: thanks you, for coming You uh, give us well, a little update on us. our Turf and Surf Barbecue Championship that we got coming up this summer. Our it's, turf do you know it's, 70, it's 74 days away? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. These things just days keep away. coming up on us. But we got a bunch quick.
1: of barbecue uh, restaurants that are going to come out. We got you know Valley, Cali, Coop, Spray's and Grand Old, Pioneer. With, you Pioneer, know, uh, yeah. Smoked Hog, Corbin's Q. We're going to um, have dessert. We're going to have seafood. We're implementing a new seafood category this year. And we're excited to have. Uh, um, Santa Monica Seafood help us out with Shevashima, one of my best friends. He's uh, the vice president there. He's going to get some people involved, with, and, and we're going to put some barbecue out there on some, uh, some seafood. So yeah, we'll see how that goes right. out in Del Mar. Um, it's August uh, 19th. At Dumb Arthur Bread Club, it is our third annual, again... Um,
0: KCBS event. Arlie, KCBS. Harley Bragg is going to be, that's where you go and sign up on Arlie's site.
1: Yeah, you can go sign up on his site. And also, um, you know, we're, uh, this year is going to be a little bit different of a format. We're going to do an all-you-can-eat for a set price. What? Um, all-you-can-eat
0: fucking barbecue? All-you-can-eat. Championship you can
1: eat, barbecue? I'm telling you. Get all you serious. Can eat, we, uh, we're Coops gonna,
0: Grand Ole all pioneer everyone Hannes, we're cali there. valley come on now we're corbin's cue eating it all just corbin does the dance the dancing that corbin I'm does is that, is that included corbin dance for sure <laughs> he's
1: a character but yeah we're gonna get i'll be out there doing all you can eat barbecue um i think sign-ups are going to be this week or uh, tickets will go on tickets sale will go week.
0: on sale at the end of this week yeah um, so for 40
1: and you get some drink tickets to have some craft beer yep. water all sodas. included Um, That's all included as well. So come out, support, um, and let us know how we can help you on your journey. If you guys have any questions. Um, We also have our social shout-out we're going to do this week. Um, Go ahead, Sean.
0: This is uh, Rosie's Barbecue, Northridge, California. So this fucking guy, Dimitri, he hits us up on our Barbecue War Stories Instagram page, says, hey, what's up? Um, Love the podcast. Want to come down to San Diego and check you guys out. Him and his wife, they came down, uh, met with myself, with Corey, our producer, uh, met with Gene. Gene. We showed him our old hickory pit. We talked about him. He's been in the business uh, working at BJ's corporate for a long time, and he had his dream to open up his own barbecue. It actually wasn't a, even a barbecue restaurant. It was just a restaurant that happened to have an old hickory pit in it. Started smoking meats on Saturdays, and now he's all in on barbecue. And um, we talked about him actually starting his own podcast uh Bring in the Los Angeles uh, craft barbecue movement. Keep this West Coast movement going. There's so many fucking people in Los Angeles. There's a lot of people in Los Angeles. But if you're in Northridge, um, hit up Rosie's Barbecue. He's the social shout-out winner behind the smoke. We're going to send him up a mug. Uh, We're going to make a trip up there at some point to check out his old hickory pits. And um, other than that, if you're in San Diego today, uh, Meat Locker Barbecue next week, we're going to be at Bubba's Smokehouse. Uh, I'm not sure which location yet, but we'll put it up on our Facebook page. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. It's, uh, Corey's in Barcelona, so Brian's been stepping up. Corey, we hope, uh, hope all is well. Send us your Behind the Smokes from Bar- Barcelona. Don't bullshit. Don't forget about us. <laughs> But yeah, thanks for coming on, Jeff. We appreciate it, brother. We'll uh, we'll we'll, uh, come down and grub.
2: Please, thank you. I need all the help I can get.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us we'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com that's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business Uh, we also have events listed so anything that's happening in the west coast barbecue movement uh, anything that's going on we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved